You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Over the weekend, we saw a lot of movement in the National League East as Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber are now Phillies. Kenley Jansen is a Brave, even Jorge Soler is a Marlin, and with that, I'm starting to see this narrative that the Mets did not do enough this offseason, that a team like the Braves suddenly had a better offseason than the Mets, and I will push back on that on today's show. In the first segment, I'm just going to explain right away why the Mets clearly had the best offseason in this division, much better even than the Braves, who are getting some extra credit due to recency bias. Then in the second segment, I'll go through the Phillies, the Marlins, the Nationals, what they did this offseason. And then in the last segment, I'll bring it back around to the Braves and discuss if the Mets did enough to get over the hump and be considered the favorites in this division over the team that is, of course, the reigning World Series champs. But before we get into any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so I want to begin this show talking about the Atlanta Braves because I think right now, even with the moves the Phillies made, which was adding two big bats to their lineup and with what the Marlins have done or the Nationals, really, I think this division at this moment it's coming down to the Mets and the Braves. Those are the two teams who are out ahead at the beginning of this season. If everything clicks with the Phillies, maybe they could sneak into this race. If the Marlins had this you know, great season where that pitching you know, comes together for a full year and some of their bats finally you know, break through like a jazz chisel, maybe, maybe. But really, it's Mets-Braves. And I'm seeing, again, this recency bias, which just infuriates me at times, where suddenly Braves fans want to tell me they had the best offseason. Mets fans are suddenly upset that Steve Cohen and company didn't do enough in an offseason where he dropped a quarter of a billion dollars, where they created a new tax threshold because of how much he was willing to spend. And I think we always get so carried away with what just happened. You know, Francisco Lindor is suddenly not a top 10 shortstop because of what just happened this past season where he struggled in the first two months. And we don't even look at the four months of sample at the end of the season and because the, the final line and what, what he put up ends up being so much worse than his career number. So now Lindor is not great. It's little things like that that frustrate me. You know, Carlos Carrasco can't pitch now because he had a season where he didn't come back until August off a blown-out hammy, rushed at the big league level to try to rehab and help the team, give him some innings when they desperately needed it. Now he can't pitch. So recency bias is one of my pet peeves. So when I see the Braves get Kenley Jansen, and this is late on a Friday night, and suddenly I feel like Twitter is melting with Mets fans crying and Braves fans, you know, cheering and celebrating back-to-back World Series championships, 
it frustrates me that we don't look at the full scope of things. Because if you look at the full scope of things, it's really hard to argue that the Braves had a better offseason than the Mets. Now, in the last segment today, I'm going to talk about these two teams and if the Mets have done enough to catch the Braves. Because the Braves were certainly far out in front. They're the reigning champs. Don't get me wrong. But I'm simply talking about the improvements made this offseason. And with that, for me, it's hard to complain with what the Mets did if you really look at it and compare it to what the Braves just did. So let's start. The Braves, they add Kenley Jansen, the most recent signing, one year, $16 million. I wish you got that deal from the Mets. Hell, I wish the Mets would have given him $20 million for one year. That would have been a great signing. They didn't. It's unfortunate. But I don't think that that's going to make more of a difference than a Max Scherzer. You go to uh, Colin McHugh, another pitcher I wanted the Mets to go after. A great bullpen addition, two years, $10 million. They bring back Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, who was great for them in the second half, but they got him for pennies at the deadline because he wasn't good with the Guardians in the first half of the season. And he's been, you know, up and down really since 2018. And if you want to look at the numbers, Mark Cannon has been a much better player since 2018 than Eddie Rosario has. Then you have Alex Dickerson, a one-year non-guaranteed MLB deal. And then you have the Matt Olson trade, obviously the most significant move. But with that said, even though, you know, just pulling any bias out of it, I love the Olsen move. I think they got younger at first base. I really do believe the next six years of Olsen is going to be better than the next six years of Freeman. Plus, they tack on two extra years with an eight-year contract. It was a smart move. But also, you have to realize that that move was a financial one because they simply could have just re-signed Freddie Freeman and kept all those prospects. But the Braves know that they're going to be up against it with the Mets over the next you know, six years, and they got to keep that financial flexibility. And Olsen coming in at 21 per year is better than Freeman at, and I think it's a little over 26 when you really break it down. With that said, let's just look at the improvements there. Matt Olson was worth uh, five wins above replacement this year, according to fan graphs. Freddie Freeman, 4.5. Slight upgrade. Slight. Let's look at the upgrade the Mets made. Michael Conforto to Starling Marte. Conforto last year, 0.8 F4. Starling Marte, 5.5. I mean, whether it was the at-bats that were given to Pilar or Conforto, Starling Marte is a massive upgrade. Not to mention, people are forgetting because Marte was pre-lockout. This is arguably the best player that is changing teams based on last season. And here's the argument for that. And I would say that obviously Carlos Correa um, is the, the superstar. He's younger, more significant player. If you want to argue for a Corey Seager or a Trevor Story, any of those young shortstops, just based on what they could do over the next five years, we can have that conversation. But based on the production last season, he has the third highest F war of any players that changed team this offseason. Marcus Simeon had the highest F war at 6.6, but he played 162 games. Starling Marte played 120 games. So if you do the math on that over a full season, Marte, had he played 162 games, would have been more valuable. Carlos Correa, second, 5.8 F4, just slightly above uh, Starling Marte, and he played 28 more games. He played 148. So with that said, I look at this division, the best position player that came into this division, it's not Kyle Schwarber, it's not Nick Castellanos, it's not Matt Olson, it's Starling Marte. And also, for what it's worth, Max Scherzer, 5.4 F4, not only the best pitcher, to change teams, but the fourth best player overall to change teams this offseason based on F4. So let's just say, and I already made the argument why Marte is maybe a more significant acquisition when you consider the upgrade he was compared to the upgrade Olsen was over Freeman, but let's just call that a wash. Let's go to the rest of the moves. 
So you're telling me that Kenley Jansen and Colin McHugh, who are at best going to pitch 140 innings, that's at best, probably not even, probably more like 120, maybe even 100 innings. They're going to be more valuable than the 350 the Mets are going to get from Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett. No, no chance. No chance. Is Eddie Rosario and Alex Dickerson more impactful than Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar? And that's not even factoring in Adam Adovino. So you compare all of it. You compare the fact that Mark Canna has been a better player than Eddie Rosario since 2018. You factor in the fact that they add you know, Eduardo Escobar to factor into that infield. And then, of course, just the massive upgrade in the Mets rotation. There's no question to me, not even a little bit, that the Mets had the best offseason in this division and probably the best offseason in baseball. We can have a conversation about the Rangers. Uh, the Twins have done some nice things now that they added Correa. But still, I'd really have to kind of you know look at them the same way I just did this and, and, and go transaction by transaction and see. But the, the Mets added six impactful players. And that's not even factoring in like a Nick Plummer, who they added on a minor league deal. You, you talk about all these teams. They make their fringe minor league signings, right? And the Mets have some as well. Today I watched a spring training game where uh, Polka hit a couple of missiles, one off the wall with an exit velo of 110. He looks like a nice little pickup for the Mets. He'll be parked in Syracuse. And you know, let's just say, God forbid, if Pete Alonso were to get injured or something along those lines and they needed a bat, he could come up and, and, and play a role for the Mets this year. But you look at Nick Plummer as one of those minor league signings. They signed a prospect that's now in their top 10, a guy that, could thrive as a fourth outfitter this year. If worse comes to worse, and Nick Plummer had to start 50 games for you, he's got a lot of upside. So I look at what the Mets did, and the reason that there's so many people who are now going to look at the Phillies and the Braves and say, oh, well, the Mets didn't do enough. It's just because they made moves late. <laughs> you know, they turned in the test, you know, right before the bell rang and are getting more credit, even though Steve Cohen and Billy Epler turned in the test first and already, you know, left the class and went on to the next period. That's what's happening here. And it's just really frustrating when not only the, the other fans, because honestly, it, look, when, when you are, uh, you know, on Twitter, it's almost like an echo chamber, right? You know, you follow a lot of Mets fans. That's what I see the most. I get more frustrated at Mets fans who are crying right now and the Mets didn't do enough. Then I'm frustrated at some of these other fan bases that are out there. I look at all the upgrades they made. And this team is primed to contend. Should they have addressed the loss of Aaron Loop a little bit more? Absolutely. Do I think the Mets did enough in their bullpen? No, I don't. I think they could have made some more additions. With that said, do I think a bullpen of Edwin Diaz, Miguel Castro, Seth Lugo, Trevor May, Drew Smith, Chase Shreve, and Adam Adovino with a, a Trevor Williams or a Tyler McGill as a long man can get the job done for the Mets this season? Absolutely, I do. So going into the year, the Mets are primed to contend with the Braves. And when you consider the, the vast difference of where they were at the end of last season with the Braves holding up a trophy and the Mets coming off the heels of an absolute collapse where they blew the division, there's no doubt in my mind which team improved more than anyone else this offseason and which team had arguably the best offseason in baseball is the New York Mets. With that said, I still want to dive into the moves that the Phillies made and give you my thoughts on that as well as the Marlins and the Nationals. So we'll do that in the next segment. And then we'll close out the show today uh, talking about the Mets and the Braves a little bit more. Are the Mets ready to you know, unseat the Braves atop this division? We'll get to that a little bit later. But before we do, 
I want to tell you that it is that time of year again. The college basketball tournament is upon us. A lot of great games over the weekend. And for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so now let's discuss the uh, worst offensive team in baseball, but a lineup. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're just going all in on slugging. That's it. They got a band box, and they got guys that will thrive in a band box. They pick up Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Castellanos gets five years, $100 million. Schwarber gets uh, 79 over four. They also this offseason picked up or re-signed a double Herrera. Um, so they get that uh, off-the-field problem back into their clubhouse with a domestic uh, violence suspension already on his resume. And his uh, $1.75 million salary for this season on a major league deal. He'll be their center fielder. And and offensively, he's good. But offensively, terrible season last year. You have Brad Hand, Andrews Familia on one-year $6 million deals. Not enough, in my opinion, to address that bullpen. If there was one team in this division that should have been throwing the bag at Kenley Jansen, it was the Phillies. But maybe Jansen just wanted to win. um, And I don't know if there was even any discussions there. But... Uh, maybe it was more about continuing to play on a good team than just, just signing for the highest offer. But I, I would have thrown that money they threw at, at one of Castellanos and Schwarber. And, and I would have thrown that on a short-term deal at a, a Jansen, um, maybe even the McHugh. I, they got those two guys instead of Castellanos. I think they would have been better. But regardless, you look at the net result, and this is a team that's just going to try to bash you to death. And they can do that now. They can. They got... Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, Gene Segura. That's a very good lineup that was already in place. Uh, you know, Alec Bohm had a really bad year. I think he actually is still hurt. I don't remember exactly what that injury was, but I did see some injury note on him come across my screen at some point over the weekend. So I'm not sure what the status is on Bohm, but, you know, they're clearly going in now and they add these two guys to the middle of their lineup and, and they're going to be able to hit five home runs and win you a game. At the same time, Worst defensive team in baseball, a a team that could potentially on some days have Castellanos and Schwarber in the outfield with Didi Gregorius at shortstop. That's pitiful defensively. That's just bad. And and that's going to hurt you a lot, Uh, especially when you pair that with a bullpen that I still don't trust. I mean, I don't think that Familia and Hand, we know them very well, are really the answers here. I I, I look at what the Mets did with Adovino and Shreve, and I don't even think it's really that that much different, except for being cheaper. you know, maybe hand uh, obviously comes more accomplished than a chase and Shreef, but I'd bet on, you know, both of them pretty much the same to have a decent season. I don't, I don't think there's a huge edge there. And then to me, out of Vito and, and familiar, the same pitcher. So I, I look at what the Phillies did and they gave themselves a puncher's chance. And I credit them for that. I want team spending. I, I want there to be competition. So I, I credit the Phillies for going for it in a way, but I also think that would have been a lot better served to have gotten Michael Conforto instead of one of those two guys in Castellanos or Schwarber, so they would actually have a fighting chance defensively. Um, and, and so we'll just see how that that comes together. 
like I said, I, I think they have a, a chance here. They still have Zach Wheeler and Nola taught their rotation. Uh, Ranger Suarez had a really good year last year. So their rotation has some arms. And they got some bats. So we'll see what happens. But I look at them as a wild card team more than a team that will seriously contend this division. I feel like they'll be, you know, fighting out for like that fourth spot, be in the same position as they were last year, where they would have made the playoffs with an expanded format, you know, an 82 type win team. But we'll see. Um, you go to the other two teams in the division, the Marlins. They've improved, but I, I I look at the the signings that the Phillies made, and I say if the Marlins made those signings, or at least would have got one of those two guys, that would have made a lot of sense to give them just a proven bat. They don't really have that. Avisel Garcia is good, but maybe a little bit of an overpay. Four years, $53 million. Jorge Soler, good, but is very hot or cold. I think he fits in that ballpark because he can leave any yard. So that was a nice little signing, three years, $36 million. That's uh, really more like a two-year, $27 million deal because there's an opt-out um, after both both years, actually, after year one and year two. But the year two salary is $15 million. Year one is twelve, So he's going to have to put up a huge year to opt out of $15 million next year. Um, and then I would imagine that he'll likely opt out of that last nine for the third season there. So uh, Solero was a nice little pickup. I love the trades they made pre-lockout, actually more than the two signings they just made. Uh, they acquired Joey Wendell from the Rays. That gives them a super utility guy. That's just solid, just solid defensively, solid offensively. It's really going to help their lineup. And they added Jacob Stallings, who I look at Jacob Stallings, and you have a young pitching staff in Miami. This guy just won a gold glove. Kind of the perfect fit for them. Also, offensively, it's a lot better than the guys they just gave up. Not like he's an above-average hitter, but he's league average, and at the catcher position, that is very solid. Um, still though, I see them and the Phillies actually in a very similar boat, to be completely honest, because the Marlins have the pitching, the Phillies have the hitting. Um, I could see either team coming together and fighting it out in a wild card race, but I still don't love either roster altogether. You go to the nationals and you won't have to spend much time on them. They're going to be the fifth place team this year. Most likely unless Juan Soto is out of this world. And if Strasburg and Corbin can give them anything, uh, but they basically just made a bunch of minor league signings. And I will credit them. If you're going to suck, give your fans something to go to the ballpark for. And they bring back Gerardo Parra, Anibal Sanchez, both on minor league deals, and Sean Doolittle on an MLB deal. That's three players that were on the World Series championship team. They also signed Nelson Cruz. And I, I tweeted this out when it happened. Nelson Cruz and Juan Soto, the two of them alone could you know, have – a better lineup than half the teams in the National League. And honestly, I would not be surprised if those two alone had them as, you know, a top 12, top 14 offense in baseball, just because that's how good those guys are. If a couple of guys get on in front of them, now you give Soto, you know, the, the premium uh, security behind him with Cruz. Now people are going to have to pitch to Soto a little bit more. He's the best hitter in baseball, in my opinion. That's going to make them a dangerous lineup. But Overall, no one is is really concerned about the Nationals. So with all that said, um, dating back to what we said, I said in the first segment, the Mets had a better offseason than all those teams and had the best offseason in this division. But the question is, did they do enough to overtake the Braves? So I want to get into that comparison a little bit more in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about the best tasting protein bars ever, which of course are Built Bars. Built Bars are so delicious. They come low in calories, low in sugar, low in fat, but they're high in protein, high in fiber. They are the perfect replacement for those sweets that are unhealthy for you. And they also have the brand new uh, Puffs, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. 
Uh, they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat that comes covered in 100% real chocolate with delicious flavors like the yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, and the banana cream pie. Built Bar flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and my personal favorite cookies and cream are available at built.com as well. And they're coming out with new limited time flavors all the time. So you want to check that out, see what's new. And when you're at built.com, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So with everything um, that the Mets had done this offseason, should they be considered the favorites in the National League East? The answer is no. But I think that we could change that tune two weeks into the season. We just have to see some more baseball get played. We have to see what it looks like when everything's put together. We still haven't seen Starling Marte take any cuts in a Mets uniform. That is an injury note, still dealing with that oblique soreness, although I think he was saying today, um, it wasn't an oblique. It's some other muscle, maybe an intercostal. Uh, but he is not worried yet about missing opening day. Buck Showalter's not worried yet either. So we definitely have to keep tabs on that. But you look at these two teams, and the Braves are the reigning champs, not to mention they got Ronald Acuna Jr. back and Marcelo Zuna, another guy on Azuna that was coming off a domestic violence suspension. But he can still play baseball. So if we're just talking about the baseball side of it, um, Marcelo Zuna and Ronald Cunha Jr. are a lot better than Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler. <laughs> they just are. And those additions, if you want to factor that into uh, the Braves offseason, obviously we can have a completely different conversation there about whose offseason additions are better. But, again, I'm pushing back on the notion that the Mets didn't do enough. And with that said, you look at where the Mets stand right now, and as I already mentioned it would have been great to see them add a, a better arm than Adam Adovino for that bullpen. I still look at the bullpen and I, I see a lot that I really like. I see some arms that you know aren't even going to be factored in right away. The depth arms like Sean Reed Foley and Yenzi Diaz and the potential to maybe convert Tyler McGill into a reliever if the starting rotation proves to be healthy and um, the Mets don't need him in that capacity. McGill stuff could play up really well out of the bullpen if they want to go that route. Um, and there's just still some options for them to work with. Chasen Shreve, I think, is going to make this club now as the, the left-handed reliever. And you all know, if you've been listening to this show, um, even dating back to last week when they announced the Shreve signing, I love Chasen Shreve. I think he's going to be uh, the perfect fit in that bullpen, can have a really nice season. And I, I look at someone like a Seth Lugo, um, even Edward Diaz. I, I think they can be better than they were last year. And the Mets' bullpen was good last year. Uh, you know, you're losing Familia and Loop, and Loop was your best reliever. But I, I look at what, what's happening this season, and I don't know if Loop's going to be the same this year. So I, I think the bullpen is something the Mets could address midseason if they have to, but I'm okay with them just rolling it out right now and seeing what their guys internally can produce. Because a lot of times, I mean, relievers, you never know what you're going to get from these guys. You know, the Mets picked up Heath Hembry off the scrap heap last year, and he ended up being really good for them. So um, there's going to be a lot of ways they can improve that throughout the season. The rotation uh, is arguably the best in baseball for the Mets, so there's no problems there. And then there is uh, this thought that the Mets need a left-handed power bat. And you look at their outfield, and you have Starling Marte and Marcana both right-handed. You have Lindor as a switch hitter. 
as is Eduardo Escobar. So, you know, they give you coverage from both sides. You have Pete Alonso and then James McCann and Tomas Nader are both right-handed. So I understand that notion a little bit that there's just not the real left-handed power bat that jumps out to you because it's basically Lindor. I would be, I guess, your, your biggest power bat, so to speak, in the starting lineup. But Robinson Cano, as a DH, is going to be an option for this Mets team. And really, the guy that is turning heads in spring training that I think is really taking a lot of the bats away from Cano right now is the guy that I'm wearing this shirt for today if you're watching on YouTube, which is the Dom bombs that he's hitting, Dominic Smith. Dom looks great. And uh, Pat Regazzo had an awesome piece you should check out uh, for Sports Illustrated where he talked to Dom about the injuries he had last year. And Dom, you know, always a great interview, a great guy. Wasn't trying to make excuses for his season, but he just did um, make it known that there was injuries last year, which explains so much about what we saw. Uh, He had a groin injury. He also had, I believe it was a wrist or a hand injury. I'm getting a little bit mistaken on what the first injury was. I believe it was a wrist. And that wrist injury led to a shoulder injury, and he had a partial tear on the labrum um, in his shoulder. So he just was not able to swing the way he usually would. It sapped his power. Now it all makes sense, right? He has to go out this year and prove that it was injuries, and he can still be the guy he was in 2020 or even the guy he was in 2019. But there's optimism there. You know, you look at some of the lesser tier free agents that are out there. I mean, I don't know how much more the Mets could have gotten in free agency without going out and getting a Schwarber or getting, um, you know, bringing back Conforto or whatever it would be. That would be that much better than a Dominic Smith this season, especially when you consider the cost. I think he is a worthwhile gamble to make here. I think when you're going into camp and you see Dom show up healthy, ready to go, you know some of that injury history to explain away the struggles. I can see why the Mets just decided, let's just go out and let's let's stick with Dom here. And they came to the same conclusion, it seems, with Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis. I know there's fans that are really out on those three players, but if they were going to get nothing back in a trade, there's no reason to make a bad trade when these guys have so much talent to potentially contribute. Because worst case scenario, if... Dom's hitting 150 to start the year. Whatever was happening is still plugging him, and the trade value is completely gone. If you weren't going to get anything in the deal for him anyway, and you have to DFA a Dominic Smith, it'll suck. But you got to do it, and then you make an addition midseason. But there's a chance that Dominic Smith could grab a hold of that job and run with it and be the DH for the Mets and provide a ton for them. And so really quick, I just want to pull up his absurd video game numbers from 2020. And even the numbers from uh, 2019, just to remind people again what this guy's capable of when he's healthy and right. And you look at the 2019 season first, 282 hitter, 355 on base, 525 slugging, 11 home runs in 89 games. He broke his foot that year. A 134 WRC plus, which again measures hitters based on a league average of 100, 34% better than your league average hitter. Then you have 2020, 316 average, 377 on base, 616 slugging, 10 home runs in 50 games, uh, 166 WRC+. plus. He was unbelievable. The one thing that I love about this new role for Dominic Smith to have a DH is that you can get him off his feet in the outfield because, all right, he had a groin injury this past year. Could that have been from running down fly balls in the outfield? He had the broken foot in 2019. You get him off his feet. You get him just focusing on hitting. 
I think he can be a, a real X factor for this team. I would not be shocked at all. Dom said he wants to hit 30 to 40 home runs this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. I'd be a little surprised if he got enough at bats to do that, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so I look at what they have internally and look, they got depth, you know, on Mark Vientos, who I wanted to see make the opening day roster likely won't because JD Davis doesn't look to be on the move. So the Mets are going to roll out a bench of JD Cano, Dom, Nito and Guillaume, um, not a flexible defensive bench, but when you have flexible pieces in your starting lineup, like Eduardo Escobar or Jeff McNeil, um, and really good defenders across the board in the outfield, they can make this work to start the season. And they're going to have a lot of depth waiting in the wings in Syracuse with Nick Plummer and Khalil Lee and, and a lot of these young guys, along with you know the Daniel Polkas of the world. The Mets are in good shape. And I think that is um, where your mindset should be as a fan. Start looking ahead towards the season. Get out of transaction mode. and Just get excited. I mean, it was Sunday baseball today. Gary, Keith, and Ron, I had a great time just kicking back, watching a Mets game, and I'm looking forward to watching this season. Regardless, so that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, review. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, but we call him Sully. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to learn about everything going on in the game right now. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts.